Hello and welcome to another edition of the Comics Pals Wrestling Specials, where Sean Bartley and myself talk about uh, WWE's major pay-per-views. Thus far, we've done Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble. Uh, eventually, we'll get to WrestleMania, and this time we're talking about a very unusual, probably one-time pay-per-view, the Greatest Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, there's been a lot of wrestling going on lately. Um, this month alone, we've had the Royal, or the Royal Rumble, the greatest Royal Rumble. That's right. Uh, WrestleMania. And then in a, in a week, we've got Backlash. So there's a lot going on. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the quote-unquote greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble. Sean makes a lot of trips to uh, see WWE's live events. Uh, he's been to several uh, SummerSlams, right? I've actually never been to SummerSlam. Oh, I've really? Been to several WrestleManias, yeah. Oh, it's like in your backyard. Uh, Sean lives in New York, and obviously uh, uh, the last several SummerSlams have been in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's impossible to get tickets, man. Yeah. It's really, really tough. Um. Yeah, but he, he's been to the la- he's been to several WrestleMania. So, did you get the chance to make it to Saudi Arabia to Jeddah for this event? You know what? I considered it. Uh, it was something that I slated to do, but you know what? I just couldn't find the time. And, I, and also, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have felt comfortable taking my girlfriend. Apparently, <laughs> you can't bring women to Saudi Arabia. That's where I was going to go with this. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny. So, Saudi Arabia is a is a is a sort of growing country as it stands uh different organizations have ranked saudi arabia the third worst country in the world in re- with regard to women's <laughs> rights oh <laughs> I, I i'm not gonna comment on uh just overall quality of countries but uh right now they're the crown prince of saudi uh, saudi arabia is a man named Mohammed bin salman or as they colloquially refer to him as mbs um, and he's like this weird hip prince uh, who has a lot of money at his hands. Uh, a lot of people on the internet call him the fail son <laughs> because he's – well, just because like he is like a weird party boy who also spends uh, allegedly 150 to $200 million at bringing WWE to Saudi Arabia. Ah, good. But he also uh, – he is supposedly progressive in trying to get more uh, rights for women, like uh, giving him the ability to remove, uh, like removing the ban on female drivers, uh, stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's Saudi Arabia is in a weird place right now, where with this weird. So is the WWE, and that's right. And they just took all their men and a bunch of old ass wrestlers who probably got major paydays to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, for the greatest Royal Rumble. Where reportedly WWE received 150 to 200 million dollars for this. Well, uh, was it worth it? Let's find out. That's right. So we kick off this uh, event with uh, a match I believe that hasn't happened in eight or nine years: uh, John Cena versus the Game Try Triple H. Whoa! <laughs> All right. Um, well, when when Triple H was first trying on the moniker of Triple H, Shawn Michaels called him Try. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, what, what do you think of John Cena versus Triple H? 
Boy, man, uh, this was not a match that I was looking to see. I feel like I've seen this match 30 million times, although allegedly it's only happened twice or something. Uh, that doesn't seem true, but okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I figured, okay, they could have a solid match. Am I looking forward to it? No, but they could have a decent match. It went 15 minutes, and I was looking at the clock for every <laughs> one of those 15 minutes. They wrestled so slow. The Triple H style. And yeah, but this was a problem that I had with the pay-per-view overall, which is that I felt like every match was like a house match, like a house show match, in that every match felt very safe. Uh, all the outcomes were extremely predictable. Predictability is not necessarily a bad thing in wrestling, but there is not a single match. Uh, you know, I predict. I, you know, I predict the match outcomes before the matches happen, as most people do. I didn't get any a single one wrong, except for AJ Styles versus Nakamura. And the only thing I got wrong there was that I didn't see it being a double countout. I thought yeah. AJ would retain, which he did retain. So, uh, this match was very slow. Uh, John Cena was calling out the cues so loudly that I heard them here in America. Um, and it didn't help that the Saudi crowd was so quiet. Um, it just, nothing about this match was interesting. It was very pedestrian. It was a fine match, but I could have done without seeing these guys wrestle for another 10 years. There were a lot of complaints about the crowd in general here, and I saw a picture of how the arena was laid out. And outside of the people right in front of the, uh, uh, right next to the arena ringside, which were a bunch of princes and wealthy families in Saudi Arabia, there was a giant gap, like a giant walking room floor between the rest of the crowd. It was they were so kind of far away. So I th- and I think that hurt the acoustics a lot because when they did show the crowd at various points, uh, particularly in the AJ Nakamura match, you see people in the actual crowd going nuts. It's just they're so far away. Yeah. Uh, For sure. There were people who were into it. No question. Yeah. It's just that it seemed like when when like if it wasn't um if it wasn't John, if it wasn't Triple H, if it wasn't Randy Orton a little later on in the night or Jericho, they didn't really react much to a lot of the stuff. And even a lot of the crowd shots, you could see people bored. It was you, weird. You, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was talking to a friend who kept saying it's like, it's like Saudi Arabia got 2010 WWE this year, and that's what they're familiar with. <laughs> So in yeah, what did you think of the match? Well, in this match, we had uh, both of them kick out of each other's finishers. Naki, they, uh, uh, Triple H mocked that you can't see me gesture, which every wrestler does. Uh, and eventually, seeing it beat him clean with the attitude adjustment. Um, this was like a Triple H match at its worst. Um, and seeing it is not a particularly great wrestler, especially now that he's working less. Uh, and this type of match, I think, exposes Cena at his worst. Whereas, you know, obviously, if he wrestles someone like AJ or Nakamura or whomever, you know, that's Cena at his best. Uh, the crowd was hot for it because these are two of the most famous wrestlers of all time. But uh, man, it was not—it was not an enjoyable match at all. And it was kind of, unfortunately, a, a indicative of what was to come too. Uh, I I like Triple H plenty. He's had plenty of great matches throughout his career. I, I think of the Steve Austin two out of three falls match. I even like the Seth Rollins match for Mania last year, which a lot of people aren't hot on. But uh, 
when Triple H is able to really just slow down a match too much, it, it kills it for me. Yep, exactly. And I think uh, both of these guys, both of these guys are guys who need to be at this point in their careers working with younger, speedier talent. There's no reason for a match between these two to take place. Uh, it's too slow, like you said. Um, and John, it just seemed like he didn't have any fire in him. And, yeah. and, and you can even like when you look at his, you know, the five moves or whatever of Doom that he does. Um, that looked slow, you know. Uh, I don't know. Everything just looks slow. Cena's at like a weird point in his career where, like, <laughs> like the the big story going into Mania was this weird existential crisis he was having, where he's like, "I don't have a road to WrestleMania." And I think, like, I, I think about that match he had after the Royal Rumble in Philly, where he wrestled Finn Balor, and the crowd was just shitting on him for for winning the match. And it looked like he didn't even want to win the match because, like, it seems like he just wants to put people over now. And you're right, him wrestling another 40-something-year-old wrestler, like, at this point, they should be both wrestling younger guys and putting him over, especially since it seems like Cena's on his way out. Yeah, yeah, he's more about the movies now, and, you know, especially with his relationship falling apart, I'm sure that that's causing him to have a, you know, to re-look at his life. And... It's hard to figure where the WWE fits into all that, but uh, at any rate, if these are the last matches that we're going to have with Cena, not that I'm the biggest fan of the world of his, I don't want to waste them on this. Yeah, yeah, I can't agree more. Uh, what would you rate the match out of five stars? So as as the longest singles match on the entire card, uh, by a, a minute at least... Uh, and being a slow, boring match, I'm honestly out of... You said out of five, right? Yeah. I'm going to go with like a two. Two five. Yeah, I was thinking two even. But you talk about a dead crowd, and that leads us to our second match where Cedric Alexander defeated Callisto in a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. And that match went about 10-15. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Callisto is, I think, a good challenger for Cedric Alexander because he is extremely capable. Um, I, for the most part, generally enjoy Callisto matches. They don't blow me away, but he's a very capable wrestler. You know what I mean? Uh, what do you think of the match? Yeah, so this match was fine. Uh, it, it, and this is when things started to get weird on this show. Uh, there were a lot of botches on this yes. show. This was... This was the botchiest Royal Rumble. Uh, I don't know about the greatest, but the botchiest. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about that later, but this match was a botch fest in a lot of ways. Um, those don't necessarily take away from it for me, but when you put it into the context of this show just having so many botches, uh, it really threw me off. I, I thought this match was all right. I liked watching Cedric work. I agree that Callisto is a good opponent for him. Uh... I don't. I honestly don't have a ton of ton to say. This was like a very, again, a, a very pedestrian match. Some nice spots here and there. I especially like the ending of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Cedric caught him beautifully with the lumbar check uh, out of the uh, what's Callisto's finish? Salida del Sol. Right. I thought he caught him brilliantly out of that. For that alone, I would give this match, you know, a nice three stars. 
Yeah, I would do that too. I thought it was like indicative of what was to come. There was a really good spot where Callisto hit a seated springboard Spanish fly from the top rope, and the crowd didn't react at all. Or at least they might have, but yeah. like they could, like it wasn't mic'd for it. I, yeah, and that and so I was watching this with my girlfriend, and, and I was saying to her exactly that the crowd does not give a crap about any of this. And her perspective was, well, you know, sometimes in these arenas it's hard to hear. But I've been in these arenas. I've been to WrestleMania many times, and I've watched a million of these arena matches, and that's just not the case. You can hear the crowd when they react to the big moments, right? Because there's a lot of people reacting, right? But they're just they just weren't into this. And and this felt like a house show match too. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would also probably give it three stars, a nice a nice even three stars. Um, I really like Cedric Alexander. I, I hope he has a, a memorable title reign. It's really it's an uphill battle with that cruiserweight championship. Uh, they it's I mean the the reality is two five two oh five live is the D show for them, um, and I, I I think it's been good, but it's just there's not a lot of eyes on the product. And it's, the reality is, how many hours of wrestling can you invest a week? Uh, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, an hour of NXT, uh, another hour of 205 Live, and then with pay-per-views, they, that ranges depending on the show. Um, there's only so much time you can really invest in wrestling. Right, and 205 Live up until a few months ago was not proving itself to be worth spending your time to watch, and I think that they've got a long road ahead of them to build up audience confidence to where it is with NXT, which in and of itself took years, because NXT in the very, very beginning was not a a reality show. Yeah, it was a reality show. It was horrible. So, all the best to 205 Live, and I think that these guys showcased that there are great matches to be had in the Cruiserweight division. This wasn't a great match, but it was serviceable. That's fine. So following WrestleMania, we had the Superstar Shake-Up, the second one, where a lot of the superstars went uh, to SmackDown and Raw. Uh, this was the first match where there was only a title change. Uh, we had the Raw Tag Team Championship, which was vacant, uh, battled between uh, the team of uh, Woken Matt Hardy and Woken Bray Wyatt versus The Bar. Um, the Bar is now on SmackDown, and it was not difficult to see where this match was going to go. In light of that fact, what do you think of this match? You know what? Uh, to be really honest, I tuned out during this match. Uh, I thought it was all right for what I like what I saw, but I just the the outcome was so ridiculously obvious. There's no way that Cesaro and Sheamus are going to win the Raw Tag Team Championships while they're on SmackDown. And honestly, WWE needs to think about that going forward because you can't have. You cannot have titles called the Raw this or the SmackDown that and think that there's going to be any kind of um, tension or curiosity as to the outcome of these matches when you do these inner inner promotional matchups like this. Um, but beyond that, I think Bray and Matt make a decent team. Uh, not not great, but they you know they deserve their time to work at it, just like Cesaro and Sheamus got theirs. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus have developed into a really good tag team, and I think that uh, they showcase that here to an extent. But again, another very sort of run of the run of the mill matchup that when you're talking about a, a, a pay per view that was compared to WrestleMania in terms <laughs> of what we could expect, this was like the most bare bones tag team match you could get. I thought no, no kidding, and. I don't know how I feel about Matt Hardy and, and 
and Bray Wyatt together. I like the story of it, but the reality is neither are very good wrestlers at this point. And Matt Hardy's in his 40s, and I don't think Bray's ever been a particularly great wrestler. Um, and when I look at Raw and I see Dolph Ziggler with, with uh, Drew McIntyre, I see that as like, that's the future tag team champions. Like, uh, they seem like they have it. Whereas when Cesaro and, and Sheamus started teaming together, Cesaro is a world class wrestler. And I think he brings out the best in Sheamus. Uh, I think the bar might be my favorite uh, main roster tag team based off what they were doing around SummerSlam and stuff. Uh, those matches with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were phenomenal. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what they do with the New Day and the Usos on SmackDown now. That said, this match went about uh, 8 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, it, this felt like a, a house show match. Uh, Sheamus went for the bro kick. It was interrupted by Bray Wyatt's spider walk, which always seemed to happen. People are always startled by watching this man uh, do a spider walk. Uh, <laughs> Seamus missed the kick Wyatt did Sister Abigail tagged in Matt Hardy he did the twist of fate that was the match uh, it was a nothing match and you knew that uh, Matt and Bray were going to win so yeah. I, I don't blame you for tuning it out I, what was there to watch exactly uh, I give this a 2 uh, and I have nothing more to say about it honestly yeah I give it a 2 as well it, it was a nothing match uh, this led to what was in my mind the bottiest match of the night. Oh my god! The United You're not kidding. Yeah, the United States Championship match between Jeff Hardy uh, and the modern day Maharaja Jinder Mahal with Sunil Singh, mind you. Um, this match went six minutes and ten seconds. Um, yeah, I, I think Jeff looks good still in his 40s, but you know he's a little slower and he's not as smooth. And uh, Jinder Mahal is Jinder Mahal. What do you think of this match? So first of all, I thought I listen. I'm going to expose my ignorance here and now. I thought Jinder Mahal was going to get cheered. I okay. thought I thought he was not, obviously not in his hometown, but I thought he was big that he would be big in that region. Um. And I didn't. I didn't know that that wasn't the case. I, I forget exactly what. Um, I forget exactly what Corey Graves was saying, or it might have been Corey Graves. I'm not sure. Somebody on commentary was saying that Jinder Mahal was um, was 2,100 miles away from you know where he's originally from, or or whatever. Uh, and that, and I, and I said, wow, that's really far. So I was like. How far? Like, how much space is that really? And I found out that that's about the that's about the country of America. Like, that that's about America. Yeah, yeah. The United States. So, Jinder is supposed to be from India, which is right next to the Pacific Ocean, Indian Ocean. It's right under China, whereas Saudi Arabia is right across the Red Sea from Egypt. Uh, it's closer to Europe than it is to India, um, and politically speaking. Uh, India and Pakistan have a lot of political tension with uh, the Muslim and Hindu population, and I think I think Jinder is supposed to be like representing of the Sikh, which is a very uh, Indian religion, which also has political tension. So I imagine this Indian figure in a in a Muslim country would uh, be still considered a heel. Right. So that was it. Was very interesting that that was the case. Uh, so to put put the spotlight on the match, uh, this as you said, was the botchiest matchup 
by far. Um, there was a particular bit uh, that was really funny when Jeff went for the whisper in the wind and missed it so unbelievably that, you know, hey, you missed stuff. But it was so unbelievable that the follow-up was shocking and that Ginger actually fell down. He bumped, man. He took the bump. He bumped for a, a whisper in the wind that was closer to hitting me than Ginger, and Ginger still fell, and the announcers had to try to sell it and explain why Ginger fell. Oh, Jeff maybe hit him with the last bit of it, or, oh, maybe uh, Ginger Mahal's playing possum. You know, the ridiculous uh, effort on their part to try to save this, but it was just, it was an awful match, I thought. Nothing really redeeming. I like to watch Jeff, but Jinder Mahal is just bad. And Jeff, in his older age, needs to be with somebody who Capable. can carry a bit of that weight. Uh, and Jinder is not that guy. Jeff put him away in, what did, what did you say, six minutes? Six uh, minutes and ten seconds. Right. And so uh, this match could have been half that length, you know, honestly, <laughs> for as much as I cared about it. Uh, so I would, I would give this – I would give this a 1-5. Not just that, but there's also the fact that you knew Jinder wasn't going to win because of the brand split. Uh, right. After WrestleMania, Jeff Hardy moved to SmackDown and Jinder Mahal moved to Raw. And when it was clear that the Intercontinental Championship was not going to SmackDown because Seth Rollins stayed on Raw and Jeff Hardy moved to SmackDown with the United States Championship, it was clear that where this match was going to go. Um, yeah, there's, uh, this, is, this, is the, this is the worst match on the card. And the worst match on the show, like on paper and in execution. It is terrible when a wrestler still goes with the spot even when it was messed up. You're supposed to, I'm not, I don't want to tell a wrestler how to do their job, but like if a wrestler misses you all together, you don't take a bump. You move on and yeah, do something outrageous. else. It's insane. And most, a, a good wrestler does that. They, they go along with how the, the, the actual flow of the match is going. I understand this match yeah. is scripted a certain way with certain beats, but like if, if a botch happens, like Jeff Hardy missed. That's, that's all there is to it. Yeah, exactly. I, I did think it was like, I remember I had this thought recently is that when Jeff Hardy does the whisper in the wind, how is he confident in that he's always going to hit a guy? Cause you can't really see. Yeah. That's, that's got to come from a lot of practice and a lot of positional awareness. Like, you can't... Jinder was, like, in a weird position when Jeff went up for it. He was kind of, like, if I'm remembering it correctly, he was kind of bent over or ducking a little bit, which I thought, okay, maybe he's trying to avoid it, but then he fell anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I don't hate Jinder. I think he's going to be a totally serviceable heel on SmackDown, on Raw, rather, that is kind of... Uh, devoid of, of heels right now because I think as it is, like the top heels on Raw are like Baron Corbin and Jinder. Unless they do something with like Bobby Roode or uh, Balor or someone. I, I don't know. Well Brock. You yeah, got Brock. But Brock's kind of a part timer. He's rarely around anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think sure. the the way people are making it sound, it sounds like Brock's gonna be around even less in twenty eighteen than he was in twenty seventeen. Huh. So I don't know what they're going to do. We'll talk about that with what happens later in the show, obviously. So 
Coming up next, we have the battle for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. We have the Bludgeon Brothers defeat the Usos in what was a five-minute match of five seconds. Um, obviously, they've been building the Bludgeon Brothers as the big, uh, powerful tag team in pretty much all WWE, uh, kind of like Authors of Pain in, in, in NXT, and what I presume the uh, War Raiders will be also. Uh, but unfortunately, these two aren't really exciting tag team. I, I like I like Luke Harper, but uh, these guys just don't do much for me. What do you think of the match? I so I like this match more than the the prior ones. Um, I, I like both teams. I'm a fan of of the uh, Usos for sure, but I like Harper and Rowan. Um, I, I, you know, I've always enjoyed them as a team. Um, obviously I think we'd all probably prefer to see Harper on his own, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. This match again, five minutes. It's, that's not a lot of time, you know, uh, and especially on a pay-per-view like this that ran for what, five hours. Uh, you don't really expect to see matches that short. Um, they didn't really give them much time and maybe they didn't need it. You know, I like this match fine. Nothing special. But uh, again, another match that felt like you could easily see it on a house show yeah. or on an episode of SmackDown, and you would watch it and you would go, okay, that was a match, and, then, and that's it. That's how I felt about this one. Uh, I, and I would give it like a, a, a two, two, five, two, five. Yeah. I, I'd probably give it a two as well. Um, they The big angle on SmackDown is Naomi keeps like pleading to not hurt the Usos, uh, and the, the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, acquiesce to that they're like oh well she's a damsel it's, it's, a, it's a weird angle they're doing uh, so they, the Rowan and Harper they were doing a slapping each other in the face thing and then Rowan splashed in the corner and they hit the double powerbomb finisher to end it I, I'd probably give this match a, a 2 something like that it, it was, there was a nothing match it was like every other match on the show so far in the sense that there were nothing matches um, in my mind, what was next to follow was the match of the night. Yeah, I'm with you there. So we had the Intercontinental Championship defended by uh, Seth Rollins against The Miz, Finn Balor, and Samoa Joe. Uh, this match actually had a little controversy going in because uh, Finn Balor, who famously wore LGBT colors going into uh, WrestleMania with a group of what I presume were LGBTQ+, people at WrestleMania at his entrance came in wearing his traditional black and white colors. And that received a little bit of backlash, which is not a promotion for the pay-per-view next week um, <laughs> uh, for, for not wearing LGBT clothing in a, in a predominantly homophobic uh, country. Um, did, did, what do you think of that controversy before we get into the match, I guess? So he, he commented on it, and he said, yeah, he said that um, he hasn't actually worn that stuff in uh, in a few weeks, that it ha- he hasn't done that every time, that that was something that was uh, supposed to be special for WrestleMania. He wanted to show his support um, for that community, and um, that was that was kind of his reaction. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm willing to believe that. Uh, most of you guys have probably heard the story that Stephanie McMahon really wanted to push Finn Balor as 
a an openly gay wrestler. Um, her words, the words I heard in the reports were liberated wrestler, liberated gay wrestler. Um, and once he came out the way he did at WrestleMania, I thought, okay, that's where they're going. Uh, allegedly, Triple H was against that. And that's what Stephanie wanted. And they were kind of going back and forth over it. Who knows what the truth is on that front, right? Um, but for me, that's not a big deal. There are much bigger problems with the greatest Royal Rumble with respect to controversy than Finn and, and his clothing, especially <sighs> given that he's a wrestler who changes his outfits all Pretty the time. Frequently. Yeah, that's his that's his M.O., uh, so I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't read a lot into that. Although, to be fair, if that gimmick were something that they were sticking with, he obviously would not have used it here. Absolutely. It. I. I don't know how. I, I also read that, and I don't know how I feel about it because, uh, at the very least, Balor isn't gay in the sense that he's been dating Kathy Kelly for I think like two years. I mean, he could be bi. He could be queer I, I, uh, we don't know he, he could be any range of things he's very private about his personal life i remember there was an interview when he was on nxt where i think renee asked him about his dating life and he said he's too busy to date people um i, I i've i've heard carl anderson luke Gallows on podcast make a lot of jokes about him being like a womanizer in japan so i, I mean i don't know it doesn't matter but the reason why I, I i take a little bit of umbrage is that if he's not a gay wrestler having him portray a gay wrestler i, I don't know how i feel about that I would rather them push actual gay wrestlers, I guess. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I feel the same way about it as I do, you know, having an actor portray somebody who's gay in the movies. It's, it's, I see, I see that the same way. Um, he, at the end of the day, WWE employs these people to be wrestlers, but also to play a role. Right. And if that's the role that they want them to play, then that's what it is. That's true. I mean, I, I, I that's why I'm not super opposed to it because I understand the, the other side of it. It just, it leaves me scratching my head a little bit, I guess. But onto the match. Uh, this was definitely the best match on the card. Uh, it, it evoked the most reaction outside of the Rumble in the in the first Triple H John Cena match, I thought, uh, and I guess the Undertaker match. Uh, there was a little bit of like a "This is Awesome" chant. I thought Balor and Rollins had a little bit of a pop. Consider- of like of all the active everyday wrestlers that had actual matches on the card, I thought they had the actual most. Uh, prominent reaction and th- this match had a lot of good spots um there was a lot of good ladder spots balor hit the coup de gras on miz laying on top of a ladder that was pretty gnarly yeah uh, um and i really like the finish i thought of all the matches this had the coolest finish you had uh finn balor climbing the ladder in the classic uh slow way but in his, in, in his defense he had just gotten pretty demolished by samoa joe uh and on his way up uh, Rollins springs off the top rope onto the ladder and steals the title, and in doing so, cuts Balor above the eye to win it. And I thought, like, this was a good angle to set up a feud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this this whole match was was I I would say it was impressive. There were some really nasty spots in this match. There was a a particular moment where. Um, I forget exactly who was involved. I think it was Samoa Joe uh, just smashed Finn Balor yeah. onto a ladder. Did you catch that? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really brutal stuff. Finn looked like he was legitimately in pain <laughs> after that one. Uh, I, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Um, 
I, I really enjoyed it. I love a good ladder match just like anybody else. It's unfortunate for this particular match that it comes hot off the heels of the NXT TakeOver um, New Orleans ladder match that was that blew every ladder match basically out of the water. Uh, this wasn't that. That's uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, how could it be? Right. That was a very special match. Uh, before what it was, I really, really like this match. That ladder match in New Orleans, uh, I know Meltzer said that he thought it was the best WWE ladder match ever. And I, I don't think he's counting like the TLC matches. I think he's like talking about like the IC championships on ladder matches like at WrestleMania 32 and stuff like that. And honestly, that might be that might be true because that was phenomenal. In this sure. match, you you had three of the best wrestlers in the company. And Miz, who's a very capable wrestler, and I think they put on a really good match. And I also wanted to underscore the fact that I think Seth Rollins and Finn Balor have been WWE's MVPs of like 2018 so far. They had that hot uh, singles match on Raw the week before Mania. I thought their Mania match was really good, too. Uh, and this match was the best match on this card. Uh, they've been workhorses for this company lately. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of goes to show you that uh, they deserve a higher position than yes. what they've been given. Both of these guys were in the main event of SummerSlam, what, two two years ago? 2016. Uh, three years ago? Yeah, so uh, it, it's, it sucks how much they have fallen off, but the landscape really has changed. Uh, because at that time, Brock Lesnar wasn't in the main event picture. He, he, um, he, he was the main event of that card, actually. It was that terrible oh, well, Randy Orton match. I guess the championship picture, yeah, 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 the the title picture. Um, he 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 wasn't dominating the spotlight in that way. Roman was in the doghouse, so that was the last time that we've really really seen opportunities for guys to get over who were kind of not at the top of the card. Uh, Seth Rollins obviously had been, but he 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 fell off a little too. So the point I'm trying to make is that these are two guys who WWE clearly had slated as top level performers even as far back as two years ago, but circumstances kind of shoved them down a bit well, with injuries to Finn. Seth got hurt at some point. So a lot of, a lot of, you know, bad luck, but now these guys need to get back up there. They need to be back on top. Since SummerSlam 2016, Rollins has been healthy and he actually main evented four pay-per-views in a row after that with like against Kevin Owens and stuff like, uh, for the title. And he just never won. The, the, the other thing that's interesting is uh, that was right after Rollins had fully recovered from the knee injury. Uh, he flared it up a bit going into Mania that following year with Triple H, but he wasn't out very long. Uh, I remember thinking in 2016 and early 2017 that Rollins looked slower and he wasn't having the matches that I remember him having in 2015 because in 2015, Rollins was having incredible matches. Sure. And the reality is knee injuries take a long time to really recover from, and I think he's fully recovered, and he looks like the guy he was three years ago. Yeah, he's he's having the matches of his career in some cases. I think his performance on Raw in that gauntlet match oh, yeah. was absolutely phenomenal. And that's not something that – there are very few wrestlers – who have performances like that in their careers that stick out to that degree. If you look at the roster right now, how many guys really can you point to in WWE only who have had standout performances like that? Seth Rollins has had several of those, and that should count. 
Yeah, like like I said, uh, Bauer and Rollins are the best performers right now for the company, and that I think that should be acknowledged. But the reality is, Raw has really prioritized the hosses, the big hosses in the last calendar year. Guys like Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, uh, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, and hell, look at that uh, Royal Rumble they had where they had guys like from NXT like Don Matha just show up because they were big. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. But we'll, we'll get, get to that. Yeah. Uh, I also would like to see Rollins and Balor higher in the card, but I really hope they have a good program. I also felt like this was feel to have Balor turn heel, and I think that would be good for the Raw scene is a uh, heel Finn Balor. And I think turning Nakamura heels done wonders for him. I, I feel like when guys come in and they, are, they do have a, a, a high place on the card, when they don't have an established character, like Nakamura didn't really have a firmly established character, Balor doesn't have an established character, turning him heel early on, after like the initial pop of them being just great wrestlers in general was a good idea just so you could start establishing their characters on a character driven program like Raw and SmackDown. They did it with AJ. Exactly. Yeah. And you're obviously going to turn them face eventually again anyway, because they're so popular. Yeah. I, I think, uh, look, I've never watched Finn Balor outside of WWE, but from what I know, in New Japan, he was a heel. Yeah. Um, he was a tremendous heel over there. Right, so why not give him a chance? I think part of it, to be honest with you, is the same thing that Bobby Roode has going on, whereby they don't want to turn him heel because they love his theme music. With Finn, they love the fact that the people raise their hands at certain points during his theme song, and they they might be worried that that would go away. But my problem with that logic is that with Bray Wyatt, he was a heel, and people pulled out their phones for him, and that, that, that intro got over, so... Well, I, I imagine Heel Balor wouldn't do that anymore, but look at what they did with Nakamura. He They completely changed his theme song so that people can't sing along with it anymore. Yeah, maybe they would do something like that. Who knows? Uh, what would you rate this match? Uh, I, I would give this match... Um, I would give it a 3-5. Really? I'd give it a 4. Yeah, I was teetering on a four. I think the night itself and the crowd and everything surrounding it just yeah. brought everything on the show down for me. And that's reasonable because uh, the reality is it, uh, it, I'm going to go on a limb here and I don't think it was the greatest Royal Rumble. Nah, not the greatest Royal Rumble. Certainly not. Turn As it turns out, bigger is not always better. <laughs> Tell that to the WrestleMania planning. <laughs> So next up, we have the WWE Championship match. This was a 14 and a quarter minute match uh, between AJ Styles and Nakamura. And I think this match was the biggest tip off that this was really a house show match based on how it was booked to end. Um, Going into this pay-per-view, a lot of people speculated that there would be a lot of title changes to appease this essentially uh, uh, $150, $200 million pay-per-view that Vince McMahon got, and there were no title changes. The only thing that happened was that uh, uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt won a vacant championship. (laughs) And that was indicative here. Uh, This was better, in my opinion, than the uh, WrestleMania match between AJ Styles and Nakamura, which, uh, in, in that match's defense, I think that match was booked for what happened after the match, more so than ha- them having a bell-to-bell blowout match. I think that match was booked for Nakamura's heel turn. Um, and I think this was more of that. This was better than that match, 
I think their blowout is still to come, hopefully. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things with WWE, especially now, but I honestly think the more I go back and use the network and watch older pay-per-views, what I'm realizing is that rarely do you get those here's a one-off blow-off match that's we're not going to see again or we'll see very sparingly that's going to the, the two guys are going to give their all austin and rock had a million matches yes you know you saw plenty of matches between guys like uh kurt angle and triple h kurt angle and austin like they've always done that and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. right these guys have countless matches and they're not always all going to be the blowout right austin and rock put their all into their wrestlemania 17 match but Outside of those those matches where they you know have at WrestleMania, they don't necessarily give everything they have. So with this uh, matchup, while I do think it was better than their Mania match, I think that both both guys are saving the next gear, the next level for whatever blow off that they're going to have, whether that's at Backlash or whether they hold it till Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. Who knows? I don't think we've seen it all. What bothers me about this match more than what I just said is that this was very clearly a holding pattern match. Like you said, this felt like a house show match. And I felt the same way with with Brock and Reigns, which we're going to get to. They couldn't do anything bigger than what they did because there's the backlash is literally next week. Right. So this was this was just a stop. And they're not going to rock the boat or do anything drastic going into a pay-per-view which they care way more about than this no matter what the promotion tells you. Uh, and so for that reason, there's literally no one who wants to see a double countout finish. No one wants to see it. That's frustrating. A, a, t- a tie can be utilized well when done right. I think of the second match between Kenny Omega and Okada, where it was a 60-minute time-is-up match, and it was so... It was like an opera that you like. It felt like they earned a tie at that point. But it was also an hour long. <laughs> sure, if I tell, but if I tell you uh, about any match at all on the outset without you seeing it, hey, this match is going to end in a double countout. Right, you you're don't want to. You don't yeah, want to say, "Oh, that sounds great." But when they tell the story yes. of the match and it ends up in a double count, it's like, "Oh yeah, that was awesome." You know, so you're right; it can be utilized well. But we know. That this was done, yeah. not because they wanted to tell a great story, but because they couldn't do a title change here. But they also weren't going to have Shinsuke lose right before Backlash. Right, and I, I try to uh, think ahead a little bit here. And what I kind of, what I kind of see is like a logical thing is Nakamura winning the championship and eventually losing it to uh, uh, presumably Daniel Bryan to set up like a Money in the Bank situation with the Miz. Like that seems like a logical progression. Right? Am I crazy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. I just... I'm really wondering, like, if you're talking about long-term, what's the endgame with the WWE title? Right now, there are a lot of people on SmackDown who should be in that conversation. I think you got to talk about Samoa Joe. I think you have to talk about... um, uh, AJ Styles still, even if he does lose the belt, I think he's he's there. And now because Daniel Bryan's there, the Miz is in that conversation. So how do you juggle all of that? And I think that having Nakamura win the title and then Daniel Bryan chase him sounds great. But who, where do you go from there? Do you go to Daniel Bryan versus Joe? 
And then you end up at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. There's so many balls in the air. And I'm not even confident that WWE wants to put the title on Bryan because they don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Right. Well, I, I imagine so, I imagine it'd be a short reign for the Miz just for that feud. So you think Miz would, would hold the belt? Yeah, just for a bit. Boy, oh boy, can I tell you how much I don't want to see The Miz <laughs> with the main title on a show that has all that talent. Yeah, but I think they would reward him. I think they're really, uh, I think they're really pleased with what he's done in the last year. And he's only got, I believe, one title in his name. I, I, I think because uh, Mick Foley once said having a title like that is acknowledgement of your work. And I think that'd be acknowledgement for the work. All right, fair enough. I will say this, when Nakamura low-blowed AJ Styles in that match, I thought for a second that he was going to win. And it harkened back to when AJ low-blowed Dean Ambrose at Backlash in 2016 and won the title. Uh, I I wouldn't have minded that, actually. I love the low-blow thing. Yeah. It's funny. It's a good good angle. Um, What would you rate this match? Uh... I know this is gonna sound weird because I don't I, I don't think it was as good as the uh the ladder match. I feel like I should rate it a three five, but like it's not as good as the ladder match, but it's also not a three. So I, I'm kind of I don't know. It's tough, but I'm gonna go with a three five, even though it doesn't make all the sense in the world. We're limited as far as how many numbers and decibels we have, so I'm gonna go with a three five. I know, but so- the other match is, is better. I'd give this a three and a half. I thought this was the best singles match on on the card. Yeah, for sure. So that takes us to um, uh, the man who will never retire. 53-year-old Undertaker versus uh, Rusev in a casket match. Uh, This was a nine-minute and 40-minute match. And the Undertaker um, murdered Aiden English. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... So this was a weird buildup, right? Because yeah. there was yeah. talk of, of Jericho taking of Rusev's place, and they actually did announce that. And then they went back on it and made the match between Rusev and Undertaker again. Um, so a lot of weird, weird stuff going on behind the scenes with this one. Uh, I don't think that this match was anything special in particular. Um what for what you know why why should we care about this match there's no story uh rusev is obviously not on the level of the undertaker uh based on what wwe tells me rusev just lost at wrestlemania in a u.s title match pins too Um, he ate the pin and was and was the the pinned individual right so it's not like they did anything at all to try to build rusev up to be worthy of this match so when he gets beat by the undertaker my main thought was Wow, Rusev took longer to lose to the Undertaker than Cena? Yeah. Yeah. Taker choke slammed Rusev, then put him in the casket, and then he completely murdered Aiden English, uh, choke slammed him, tombstoned him, uh, messed up his neck really bad, and then threw him on top of Rusev and closed the lid. Um, I mean, when it comes to stuff like this, talent like I think Rusev and especially Aiden English see it more as like an honor to work with undertaker who's like within the industry the most prestigious guy um so i don't think they see losing as being squashed because of because of 
who they're facing. Even though as a fan, right. people will watch this and be like, this old-ass man just be the most over guy in the company in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it was a, I, 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 I didn't do no, it didn't do anything for me. I don't Undertaker hasn't done anything for me since his match with CM Punk uh, at WrestleMania 29. Oh, I, I guess his Hell in a Cell match with Lesnar uh, around around then. So it's been a while. Sure, and and I do want to I do want to point out. Um, I don't think that Rusev was squashed. Uh, I don't. I I think the word squash and that idea of being squashed um, is overblown. I think. Working, you can never be squashed by the Undertaker. John Cena was squashed by the Undertaker in the sense that he lost quick, but John Cena's Teflon. Uh, there is no shame at all in losing to the Undertaker, and I think it's an honor for Rusev. I just wish, for me as a fan, that there had been more builds so that I could have cared more going into this match. That's all. So, what would you rate it? Uh, two five. Yeah, I think I'd give it a two five as well. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, so that takes us to the Universal Championship match, where most people predicted Roman Reigns to win here in the same way they did for WrestleMania. And I, I'm so done with this feud. I, I really am. And it's not a condemnation of this match, necessarily. I thought this match was fine. I really like the finish, as a matter of fact. But the way WrestleMania ended, like, it, it we had this conversation, but like, it feels like Roman Reigns is done. He's not the top guy. Yeah. Um, and this crowd didn't cheer him. A lot of people thought this would be a Mark, Marky Mark crowd. And he was, no one really cared about Roman Reigns. Yeah, I was surprised at how little they really cheered for him. Brock Lesnar got lots of cheers when he came out. Um, he did. But, but I don't know. Brock, or uh, Roman is not. Where in the world can they take Roman to, for him to be over? Like that at this point, that's my question. Where on the planet can you take Roman Reigns, put him in a match? Under what circumstances will he get cheered? He didn't get cheered against Brock ever. Um, he didn't get cheered against Braun. He was actually reviled against Braun because people want to see Braun. He didn't get cheered against Brian. Uh, he didn't get cheered against a- anybody. The, the last time that Roman Reigns was like unilaterally over was in the Royal Rumble of, I think it was, what, 2015? The one before he won? Um, where Batista, I guess that would have been 2014 then, WrestleMania yeah. 30. Uh, where Batista ended up winning and people wanted to see Roman win the match. That's the last time that I remember Roman being universally cheered. Four years ago. That's a, yeah, that's a long time. And it's hot off the shield. Yeah. And we'll never know what would have happened if they put the belt on him then, had him win the Rumble, go into WrestleMania 30 against Orton, and, and win. We'll never know what that looks like. But I think Roman Reigns' push has been doomed from the start because it's been so obvious they're trying to do John Cena 2.0 and nobody wants to see that. And let me ask you this question. What is, who is Roman Reigns? He's the big dog. He somehow always overcomes the odds, but almost always wins because he's a physically uh, imposing threat. Um, he has a lot of title reigns in his name, uh, a couple U.S. championships, uh, IC championships, several tag team belts, I believe, uh, uh, three WWE championships. 
and he's kind of an asshole in, in, in the story. All right, great. Who's Stone Cold Steve Austin? Oh, he's the damn Texas rattlesnake. You can't trust the damn rattlesnake, son. <laughs> he's anti-authority. He's anti-corporation. You can't tell that son of a bitch what to do. He'll stop a damn mud hole and do what? So, yeah, that, that illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. And that Roman Reigns' character, along with pretty much the entire roster, is not really defined. Yeah. Whereas stone cold's was i don't know what roman reigns will and won't do i know that stone cold steve austin was not to be trusted because he told me so and he showed it i know that he had no real allies because he would stun anybody right like he was his own man roman reigns says oh i'm the big dog and uh uh you know all that good stuff but what does that mean that doesn't mean anything. You knew who The Rock was. You knew who Mick Foley was. You've always known who The Undertaker was. You, you even know who Triple H is. You know who Cena is. You know is. who Randy Orton is. Yeah, you know who Cena is. I don't know who Roman Reigns is. And I don't care. Yeah. And I but and the last point I want to make is I believe that there's actually a version of Roman Reigns that's interesting. And I think that it leans in on who this guy, Joe Anoe, really is. But we don't get to see that. Instead, he says suffering succotash. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's the guy. That's stupid. What character do you do you can you think of in history that was neutral to that degree that was interesting? Nope. Neutrality is not interesting. No, it isn't. The match, the ending was neat. I, I like that he speared him through a cage, but uh, again, at this point, like one, why did he wear? Why did he merit a rematch to begin with? He lost decisively in yeah. WrestleMania. He was, got beat plain, and people were. I, I remember the company I was watching WrestleMania with. Like they were really pissed when he kicked out of like the fourth F five. Like they were like, "This is even fun." No, it's stupid, and. We're here now, and he's. And this sets up another match, and it's it's and Brock won. Like, who wants to see this a third time in the same month, the same year? I don't want to see it a third time in my lifetime. Like, I am completely done with Brock and Roman. And if they if they're not gonna go with Roman, cool. Then turn him heel or don't or whatever. I don't care anymore. Let's see what Braun Strowman can do. Yes, that's it. Or give me Seth, or whatever, or go with Bobby Lashley. I don't care. Brock Lesnar should never sniff the title again, and Roman Reigns. They need to do something with him that's different than this. They've got guys that can hold, that they can push in that spot. They've got Seth Rollins. They got Bobby Lashley now. They've got Finn Balor. They've got Braun Strowman, and they've got Drew McIntyre. Sure. Any one of those people, I think, would be a valid person, if not to be the champion, to be in the conversation. But I'll tell you who the champion cannot be. It cannot be Brock. And in my mind, it cannot be Roman. Not now. Not after he lost twice already. Hell, maybe they can use Daniel Bryan if he can do it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. People, listen, the people are ready. They're ready to get behind someone else. They're showing it. And and that's not to say Roman can't be a top level guy. I think Roman is a top of the card wrestler and character. Not that character, but like he's a top of the card guy. It's just he's not the guy. I've been watching a lot of uh, pay per views from around two thousand and one, two thousand two, and I think that the Undertaker character 
from that time period would fit Roman Reigns very well. Yeah. A guy who uh, he walks around, this is my yard, I'm a badass, I'm, uh, you know, but, but he was a douchebag. He was an ass. Roman Reigns should be that. Yes. And a lot of people complained about Seth Rollins' face turn at first, but now when I watch Seth Rollins, I know his, I get his character. Do you? I, I, I feel like I do. I watch Seth Rollins, and I think, this guy is immensely talented. He will do whatever it takes to win because he's a little underhanded. Um, and he does kind of, he's kind of a douchebag. Yeah, I w- you know what? I, now that I now that you say that, I take it back. I think ever since the gauntlet match, and since he's been saying like, "I want to be the face," "I want to be Mister Monday Night," I now I understand who he is to more of a degree. That is what they need to continue to do with Seth, and then find that for Roman. Find it for Roman. Dean has a character. AJ Seth has, a character. has a character. Yeah, like AJ's a pitbull. Yeah. We understand these guys, but the problem is that there's nothing to connect with, and I feel like I, I don't know. We've 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 talked about it, but as far as this match, it was fine, better than the WrestleMania match. I'm not a big fan of steel cage matches uh, because they're limiting, but uh, as far as steel cage matches go, this was all right. I like the ending, but like you said, it sets up another match, and it's like, well, uh, so if Roman Reigns couldn't beat Brock at WrestleMania. Why should I believe that if there was no cage there, he was going to win that match? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what would you rate it? A three? Yeah, I'd give it a three as well. It's better than the Mania match, but uh, the problem is it was dead as it started for me. Yeah. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk about the greatest Royal Rumble match. 50 people. <laughs> a lot of people uh, I didn't expect to see. Like, in, in general, not even that they were callbacks. Just like it's like, who is this person? Uh, <laughs> so I, I guess what I, I guess I'll uh, name people that come in, and you can stop me if there was something memorable sure. about them coming in. And the first person that comes in was Daniel Bryan, who had the most memorable performance in the actual Rumble, I think. So Daniel Bryan is now the record holder for the longest uh, WrestleMania or WrestleMania longest Royal Rumble performance ever. Uh, which is super cool. Uh, I picked him or Braun to win. Me too. Uh, Brian obviously did not win, but I think a consolation prize is whenever you can get one of those really awesome, um, memorable runs in the Royal Rumble, uh, something that they're going to always refer back to. Every year they always do those annoying Royal Rumble facts, and now Daniel Bryan will forever have one of those because hopefully they're never going to do a 50-man Royal Rumble again and it will be impossible to break Daniel Bryan's record. Well, we'll talk about the Rumble itself as a whole because there's a lot to there's there's a bit to talk about there but yeah speaking of Daniel Bryan his chest was so oh destroyed Did Holy you catch crap. what caused that cuz I guess I missed it It was you know who it was I believe I believe it was Roddy Strong who just chopped the shit out of him That was really bad at some point it was just kind of like disgusting <laughs> I know and he's so pale <laughs> Yeah that was tough to look at Oh but he's Daniel Bryan is—he's the ultimate underdog. It's so easy to get behind him. Yeah, uh, Daniel Bryan is 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 probably other than AJ, he's my favorite performer right now, um, he, and he's so lovable. He's a crazy person. 
there was a moment in the in the match where I think it was uh, Braun and it was was it Bobby? It was yes. Braun. I think it was Braun and Bobby. And Daniel Bryan is like, if it were me, I'm thinking about me, right? I'm like, I'm staying down. My chest is red. <sighs> I'm bloody. I'm I'm gonna avoid this confrontation. He goes right into it <laughs> and he's doing those drop kicks in the corner. And I'm just like, wait, weren't you just concussed? Like, like, should you be doing this? Like, shouldn't you value your life more? I love Daniel Bryan, and I can't get enough. He's a crazy person. Uh, yep. Good for him, man. I, I was happy. Like, if he's not going to win, having a performance like this is literally the next best thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and next comes Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to belabor Ziggler much, but he was doing the same shit he was doing in the pre-show in Mania. He did the skin to cat spot so many times that it didn't matter. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I guess I digress. Uh, in next came Sin Cara, Curtis Axel, and then uh, recently WWE Hall of Fame inducted Mark Henry. Yeah, uh, it was. Nice, I guess, to see Mark. Uh, but he looked bad. Yeah. It looked t- tough for him to get to the ring. Yeah, he didn't do much. They didn't really give him much to do, which is fine um, because he doesn't need to do anything. This was like a nice little appearance for him, probably a nice little payday, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, next, we had the the new record for the shortest Royal Rumble, uh, Mike Kanellis. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was interesting. I was surprised that he was even in this deal. Uh, he hasn't. When was the last time he appeared on WWE television? I, right? I, I feel um, like it was May last year or something. Yeah, so cool to know that he's back. I guess. And again, even though it's funny that he gets eliminated so early, now he has that new record, and there, he's gonna be in those videos forever. Yeah, those little video packages. Uh, so this thus far, Sincara was eliminated by Ziggler, Axel was by Henry, Canellis by uh, Mark Henry, and in next was a guy I never heard of, Hiroki Sumi. I have no idea who that is. I had no idea who that was either. Um, and he was eliminated pretty quickly by Mark Henry, who uh, that was he had three eliminations in this, and I gotta tell you, this rumble was not going great at this point. Yeah, uh, so the problem with the Royal Rumble is that most people are not going to win, right? There's no delusions about, like, Mike Kanellis being able to win the match, right? right. And so the 30-man Rumble, it's like, okay, there's, there's, there's probably about 20 to 25 people who have no chance. But yeah. you've got those five, six guys who's like, okay, maybe they could win. And they... They place these guys well enough and spread them out well enough that there are those pop moments where a guy who really has a chance comes out, does their business, and then it's like, all right, cool. So who's going to who's gonna survive until the final four, right? This was so long that the droughts between people you care about were just ridiculous. The, and that was a big problem with his match. And it's hard not to compare January's Rumble to this because that was probably the best booked mania in, in some time. Uh, and what made that Rumble special is like it, there has to be a psychology to the Royal Rumble. It, it, like otherwise, you get the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, which is just a bunch of people thrown over the ring and doesn't nothing matters. Um, and what what's it's a long match, and there has to be different spots built in, like. In, in 
and January you had Heath Slater on the outside just being destroyed for a while. That's like a good like <laughs> middle of the rumble thing to have, right? Right. Uh, and then you have like feuds built in the rumble, and you only you didn't have a lot of that here. No, you didn't. Uh, you did have those those spots where it's like, oh, uh, when Roddy came out, right? Uh, he got he got his moment in the sun, and that was super cool. Um, but there were just for every moment like that, there was a Heath Slater or there was a whoever, someone who's not going to win that no one cares about, that's not going to get their moment in the sun. That's just another entry, and you don't want to have that as often as possible. I hated. The forty man rumble, in a similar for similar reasons. I didn't think that rumble was good. Yeah. Uh, and again, too many people. Thirty people is the maximum for a royal rumble in my mind. I agree. I, I can't agree mu- enough. Out next came Victor from the Ascension. When someone like Victor comes out, it's just uh, who cares. Uh, yep. Kofi Kingston came out. That that's someone that people care about. He's got a great history of rumbles. Uh, Tony Nice came out. And he was pretty fun in this, his spot with the New Day. I'll, I'll give him that. I kind of like Tony Nese. Uh, yeah. Out next came Dash Wilder. And then out next was one of the biggest pops of the night, Hornswoggle. That was shocking. <laughs> I did not expect Hornswoggle at all. Um, he, he looked terrible. <laughs> he looked awful, yeah, <laughs> without question. But that being said, though, still kind of cool to see him. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, there was a spot. Uh, there was a moment after the match where Balor and him took like the fin freeze photo of a couple of Irishmen, and I thought that was kind of funny because he's not Irish. He's just an Irish yeah. stereotype. Out next came uh, Primo Cologne, who's a terrible wrestler, uh, and then Xavier Woods. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were, again, they, were, they were both eliminated pretty quickly. They were, yep. And uh, also, interestingly enough, Xavier, or not Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston was eliminated without getting his yeah. typical Royal Rumble spot. So which I, I thought was uh, strange. Funny. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Mark Henry is finally eliminated uh, by Ziggler and Daniel Bryan. Victor's eliminated. Dash Wilder's eliminated. Warren Swaggle's eliminated. It, he didn't even go over the top rope. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, again with all the botches and whatnot. I, I and then Tony Nese was eliminated by uh, Kofi Kingston and Woods, and a and I thought it was a pretty fun spot where he thought he was getting along with a new day, and it just kind of threw him out. That was so funny. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I I love the new day in these uh, Royal Rumbles because they always bring something different, fun to the table. Yeah. Um. So another another really good spot from them this this time around. Out next is Bo Dallas, and followed by uh, someone else who got a pretty good pop tonight, Kurt Angle. Oh, man. I lost my shit when Kurt Angle came out because we haven't seen him in a Royal Rumble in a very, very long time. And uh, he looked good. But beyond that, it was the fact that Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle... We're in the ring at the same time. I have been looking forward to this for so, so, so long. I want that match this year. It has to happen. They have to figure out a way to get those two in the same ring. I don't care whether it's at SummerSlam or... Survivor um, Series. 
Survivor Series would be a great place for it. Whatever they end up doing is fine, but that match has to happen, and it has to be, uh, uh, it has to have the grandiose feel that yes. it deserves because it's special. Absolutely. Our next game, Scott Dawson, Goldust, Connor, the other member of the Ascension, uh, and then out came Elias, who had a crazy performance. Yeah, Elias got got a few different spots in the match that I thought were pretty good. Um, he's he's really growing on me. I gotta say, I'm I, I'm just not big on Elias. I, uh, I I I don't like gimmicks that are solely based around like a couple catchphrases and like everyone's in on the joke kind of thing. I I don't right. know. Like, and his he's not a really good like his matches are boring. Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, he's not he's not the greatest performer, but there's there's a there's a charm there that I that I like. Uh, I think he would have his act reminds me a lot of uh, '90s mid card. You know, not not necessarily someone you're paying to see, but at least for me, when I go to a show and he's there, I'm not mad about it. And uh, I think that there's enough mileage for him to be a solid mid card guy for a few years. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not super high on him, but I think you're right, and I, I think that's totally fine. Uh, so at this point, uh, uh, Dallas is eliminated. Uh, Cologne is eliminated by Angle. He eliminated Dallas, Cologne, and Ziggler. He had three in a row. Uh, then Elias starts eliminating people. Connor, Kingston, Woods, and Kurt Angle all eliminated by Elias. Was was Kurt Angle eliminated by Elias? He was. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, so out next we have Big Luke Gallows. Uh, <laughs> he's just such a goofy looking dude. I love Luke. He's he's such a great like lower card guy for me. Yeah, it's just kind of disappointing because I expected so much from both him and Anderson. Well, Anderson's a great wrestler and he's very funny. They just don't do anything with either of those guys. Right, exactly. When they first came in, I thought, oh man, this is going to be something um but uh they really haven't given them much to do but like you i do enjoy them uh both despite the fact that you know they're kind of just in that lower mid tag team uh spot and there's such the locker room appreciates them so much like there's been stories where like uh seth rollins will go up to one of them and be like hey coming on this tour with us and they're like well we haven't been booked for it and they're like well we gotta have the good brothers and that he'll go talk to vince and then they're booked for the tour because they up they lift up through the locker room because they're so funny wow so that's really cool so i think they're gonna always have a spot in wwe just because of how good for morale they are yeah, and I think I, it, that reminds me a lot of, of, you know, throughout history, there have been those guys who have been maybe not the most valued workers or whatever, but they're around, and they provide morale and, and different things like that. You see that a lot in the NBA, actually. Yeah. Where there will be a player on a team who's older and literally does not play, um, but they keep him because he does something to the team that, that brings out a better performance in them, so... <laughs> Rhino came in, who looked like a rectangle... <laughs> He looked really bad. Holy shit. <laughs> he looked like a rectangle. <laughs> yeah, I was... It was sh- shocking. Oh, my God. Uh, and then and next came one of my boys. He's in my boy stable. Um, Drew Lack. Drew Gulak. Uh, 
he's a Philly boy, and uh, I think he's funny as shit. Um, I like the PowerPoint gimmick, his anti-flying thing, his politician thing. Um, I'm a fan, so I was happy to see Drew Leck. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice appearance from him. Uh, don't really have much to say about him, but yeah, uh, I, I, I like him. I like him. He's 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 good. He's solid. But you know, this is the Royal Rumble, and I'm not I'm not here for him. Right, of course. Uh, in next came um, Tucker Knight, who was part of Heavy Machinery from NXT. So that was kind of weird, but he's a hoss. Yeah, again, like you said, they wanted to get in those big guys to show them off. Maybe that's what the Saudi princes are into. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, uh, and next came like the the next big performer here, about Bobby Roode. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I didn't feel like they gave Bobby much in this matchup. I, I've he just lost clean to Elias on Raw last week too. Like I'm, I'm curious what they're doing with Bobby Roode here. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It seems like his stock has kind of uh, dropped off a bit, which is weird to me because I don't know what they were expecting. Uh, you don't take a guy like Bobby Roode, who is a really, really good heel. Make him a face and expect to get all the value out of him. He's miscast. Yeah, and there's a lot of that in WWE. I hope a heel turn's coming soon for him. Yeah, they they need they need to pull the trigger on that fast before the fans just lose interest in him outright. And and Bobby Roode, I think, could be a proven top uh, top mid card kind of heel. Yeah, without question. When he when his signing was announced, I thought they brought him in to be uh you know, Triple H is done. I thought they brought him in to be another Triple H type heel in the upper mid to high card. I really believe that. Especially when you look at his NXT run, it, like what he is now doesn't make any sense. Bobby Roode, I know he's 41, but like by the time his WWE career is finished, I, I remember thinking like he should have maybe one or two world titles, a couple mid-card titles, and that's a very accomplished WWE tenure. Yeah. But, yeah. And next came Fandango. Uh, I, I, he's part of my boy stable as well. I always liked him. He's a really funny guy. Uh, big fan there. Uh, and next came Chad Gable, who um, I'm glad they're kind of doing something with at least for now um he's extremely immensely talented um and it was nice to see him in the rumble i, I kind of hope they actually do stuff with him i love chad gable yeah um, big big fan of his i've heard some people say that they think he should have been the one who was cast in the uh illegitimate child of kurt angle role yeah uh, instead of um jason jordan uh, maybe I think Jason Jordan took the ball and ran with it and was starting to get yeah. comfortable before he got injured. But um, I do like Gable. I think Gable is very talented. I think he's funny. I think he gives me more Kurt Angle vibes in terms of his character than jo- Jordan does. So I, I want to see more from this kid. You know what they should have done, and this would have been a very attitude <coughs> era thing to do, like when Kurt Angle was wrestling actively, um, is if like he just adopted. American Alpha, and he's like, "You're my boys now." <laughs> that is funny. That that would, and I feel like, I feel like that's something that would have happened. Yeah. Earlier on, look at look at uh, Team Angle. You know, exactly. It's that kind of thing where it's like, you know what? You're my sons now. Yeah. 
and they're a little weirded out by it, but they like they're like, well, he's Kurt Angle, you know. <laughs> Right, like he he can take us under his wing. He can show us the ropes, and yeah, I think I think there's a there's a, there was a huge missed opportunity there. Yeah, and and I think that hurt Jason Jordan for the longest time because everyone shitted on it. They because they, everyone knows he's not his son, and they didn't like the whole like big dad thing. It was weird. I I, I didn't mind I it, but everyone else hated it. Yeah, but the commentary surrounding that storyline started to shift right before Jason Jordan got injured. Right. I remember um, at at the Royal Rumble, actually, where he was kind of like, he was like not in, engaging, and it seemed like he was doing it on purpose to get Seth to lose the match. I thought that was funny. And then when the Shield were actually uh, dealing with the Miseraj, and Jason Jordan came out and tried to get big and tough and talk. And they were like, Seth in particular was like, what the heck are you doing, man? You remember that? Yeah. That was great. All that stuff was really great. So, you know, uh, unfortunate for him to get injured when he did. I agree. I, I was I, I personally like Jason Jordan quite a bit. And I didn't mind the angle. And I think they were going places with it. So, uh, I think he's supposed to be back soon. So, we'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, and then and next came another big pop, and uh, the way he was dressed made him kind of look like a weird Saudi Arabian Power Ranger, uh, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, always good to see him. I was happy to see him uh, in this matchup. <clears throat> um, he got some stuff in. He definitely did. He looked a little more sluggish this time. Sure, because he just yeah. he was just injured, right? Uh. This match made me want to see him and Braun Strowman go one on one, or tag team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ray's not much taller than Nicholas, right? Right, exactly. Um, I I like big man, little man tag teams. I really enjoyed Kane and X Pac twenty years ago. Oh my goodness! I did. I, I was also like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, I really yeah. like the six one nine into the RKO spot later in the match. Yeah, that was awesome. I I almost for a second believed that Braun was out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so at this point, just update a little bit. Gulak was limited by uh, Knight, Goldust by Rude, Dawson by Rude, uh, Gallows by Mysterio, Fandango by Mysterio, uh, and next is uh, Mojo Raleigh, who's a guy I don't, I can't be asked bother to give a shit about. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't give a shit about Mojo. Be- between him and, and Zack Ryder, I care more about uh, Zack Ryder personally, but he's injured again. Mojo Raleigh is another one of those question marks where it's like, who, who in creative thought that he was a guy who needed to get a push? Right. Now... Now, if you give him if you give him something interesting about his character, or you make him you know you make him someone we should care about, okay. But just turning him heel is not enough. Agreed. So, and next came Tyler Breeze, and then Big E. Big E was very enjoyable in this match, throwing pancakes and junk. I, I I'm a big B, Big E fan. He's my favorite member of the New Day. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was happy to see Biggie, and I, I, I remember saying out loud that I really wish he would get um, uh, a higher, a higher position. And I, I think he will eventually. I, I, I don't know when that's going to come, but like, I, I think he has a singles run in him at some point. 
Yeah, if they'll if they'll give him the ball. And next came Carl Anderson, followed by Apollo Cruz, and uh, shocked the system. Undisputed Era's new tag team champion Roderick Strong came out. Yeah, I I expected Adam Cole, but I wasn't mad to see Roddy, especially given the performance that he had. Earlier, he did really well. Earlier today, I saw a picture from an NXT house show where it was Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole wrestling the defender the the uh, tag team championships, and I thought that was weird. And it makes sense because Roddy was on the other side of the world. Right. And next came uh, the next big pop of the night, Randy Orton. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Randy Orton is so over, man. Like, he is beloved everywhere he goes. And it's so interesting to me because I think Randy Orton has been a drag for the last, I don't know, eight eight years. years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe even more, to be honest with you. I haven't cared about him in a long, long time. So whenever they go anywhere and he gets cheered this much, I'm always blown away. When I'm at these shows, I even cheer him and I don't like him. So I don't really get it. I I never pop for Randy Orton. The last feud I had any interest in is his uh, Christian feud from 2011. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah, that was cool. But by that time I was tired of him, but that was that was fine. Um so at this point uh Fandango's eliminated by Raleigh, so is Tyler Breeze. Big E uh, eliminates Tucker Gable by Cruz, Rhino by Roddy Strong. Uh in next comes oh, oh I got that. So yeah, Carl Anderson eliminated by uh, Randy Orton, so is uh Mojo Raleigh. Cruz is also eliminated by Orton, three in a row for him. So in next is Heath Slater, who actually did a little bit more in this match, but no one cared because it wasn't very interesting. Baba Tunda came out. Didn't know anything about him. I have no idea who that is. Uh, he was a big, big guy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I liked his look to an extent, but they really, really, uh, they got to change his name. Agreed. And uh, next came Baron Corbin, whose hairline looked the worst I've ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh i i don't know i i like baron corbin more than most people i can't I think. stand him <clears throat> yep i know uh i think there's something there i wish he wasn't such an ass in real life uh but i do believe there's something there wwe obviously sees it too they have not given up on this guy um but he still he still has to have that that outstanding performance here he hit his deep six on Rey Mysterio, and was that good. was awesome. Very I good. love that. I th- I think that's really cool. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't know. Not a lot to say about what he did here. Stop the podcast. This is the best part of the entire night. Titus O'Neil comes out at thirty nine, and <laughs> holy crap, did he lie <laughs> under the ring? <laughs> I, you know, in all the years I've been watching wrestling, I have never seen something that funny <laughs> because it was not supposed to happen. He, and he, on Twitter, he's like, my plan spot. Get the hell out of here, dude. Yeah, okay. So Titus comes out, trips, and flies completely under the ring. Corey and Michael Cole are completely losing their shit. Uh, this is like the funniest Michael Cole's ever been on commentary. He's like making all these like pretty good references. He's like, Stone Cold Steve Austin won three Rumbles. Doesn't compare to Titus. 
<laughs> yeah, I I loved the commentary. Uh, I didn't I didn't mention this earlier, but I thought the commentary overall tonight was pretty bad. Yes, uh, they seemed to be sleepy and kind of just out of it and uh, botching everywhere. This um, woke them up. <laughs> But this, yeah, this woke these guys up. This is when they started to get into it more. And I felt like I was listening to the real Michael Cole speak. Yeah. Uh, I like when Michael Cole's role. authentic. Yep, me too. He, when they did the uh, UK tournament, it was like the best commentary I'd ever heard from him. I got, you know, I got to be honest, I still haven't seen that. Oh, it was great. And watch it. it was really good. Um, And apparently Vince McMahon was near tears in the gorilla position and kept ordering the production team to replay over and over. And when Tyus came back, he gave him like a handshake, pat him on the back and everything. Good. Uh, I, I was worried that maybe that would, that would generate heat for him, but uh, I'm glad that Vince recognized that that was a moment that we needed to see several times. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> that That's the greatest meme. Like I, I want to see that all the time, you know. Like I want to see Titus sliding as a, as a bowling ball, you know. I want to see all of that. <laughs> and uh, like a true carny that many wrestlers are, he immediately took the opportunity to market it as a T-shirt with Titus World Slide. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, next comes NXT uh, Development Center uh, trainer Dan Matha, who's another big hoss. Last time he was seen was in a uh, NXT television match with Samoa Joe to help establish Samoa Joe as a killer. So another big hoss comes out. And uh, the next big pop of the night, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, uh, the man. Uh, I Like I said, I had him pegged to win this match, him, him or Brian. Uh, I think... I think if Braun had been in the the Royal Rumble back in January, he would have won that or should have won that. You don't put a guy like this in there to lose. Uh, and uh, I, I, man, I think Braun has it, man. I really do. Yeah, and I think the way, unless they've changed, some people are interpreting interpreting this event as Bar- uh, Braun Strowman's coronation as the guy. Uh, and maybe that's true. I don't know. But uh, from what people were like, the kind of reports coming before this uh, is that they see Braun as a guy who doesn't need a championship, kind of like Undertaker or Kane back 20 years ago, uh, who could win occasionally, but they're so big that they don't need a championship. I don't know. I think in the current landscape of things, you've got to ride Braun Strowman. Yes, I don't agree that he doesn't need a championship. I think the reality is that. Um... In this day and age, people do equate championships with your your viability, your how important you are. I, I strongly believe that, um, and I think that in order for Braun to continue to stay at this level, he has to win the big one. I agree. Uh, out next came Ty Dillinger, and this led to an onslaught of Strowman uh, eliminations. Babatunda, Dan Matha, Big E, Heath Slater, Titus O'Neil, and Ty Dillinger all eliminated by Strowman. That's six people. Uh, Ray Mysterio was eliminated by Corbin, and then Corbin was eliminated by Orton. Uh, and then Orton was eliminated by Elias. That's a huge elimination for him. Yeah, that's that's really, really big. I was surprised at that. Um they obviously think highly of Elias. Uh, one of my favorite spots in this match came when Kurt Hawkins came out, who was lobbying to be uh, Braun Strowman's tag team partner into Mania. He comes out, looks at this empty ring with just Braun Strowman standing there, and he immediately goes back. Braun chases him <laughs> up the ramp, 
smashes him, brings him back in the ring, and then throws him out. <laughs> Braun is about the scariest person, like, alive. I mean, you think about it. How would I escape Braun in an alley? The, the immediate answer is run. Okay, well, he's the fastest person ever. So how do you get away? Like, you, you don't. You just die. Braun Strowman is legit scary. I I like Kurt Hawkins a lot for what he is. I like his, like, 200 straight losses in WWE. And he's a good sport about it. You need guys like that. And, and again, that's a story. Yes. You know? Uh, it's not like... I mean, yeah, they're not going to just have him winning matches anyway because he doesn't need to. But now, instead of it just being a guy who never wins, it's a guy who never wins that they make a thing of. And that's what you need. you got to have that. I, I kind of like the idea of giving him a huge win out of nowhere at some point. Like, sure, Cena's protected. What if he just somehow beat Cena in a fluke? Something funny, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or what think if, outside the box. What if he beat Braun Strowman, but like not like in a like a like somehow Strowman got counted out or something? Just something ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be Strowman, but like somebody somebody who can eat a loss and it won't matter. Yeah, I think Cena is a great example. Or or put him in a feud with a guy, you know, put him in a feud with somebody and like a Baron Corbin. I'd love to see this happen too, where it's like. He beats him, he beats him, he beats him. They have some other match for whatever reason, and, and he picks up a win, you know? Yeah. Something to laugh at. Yeah. Uh, and next came Bobby Lashley. But Bobby Lashley's strange because the way they've kind of marketed him since he's come back is he just feels like another guy. Um, I – that's a tough one. I don't I, – I, I see Bobby Lashley as a major player. He should be. Uh, and he should be. What he's lacking right now is, number one, he needs a finishing move. Yeah. Uh, because the spear and the uh, the running power slam are both taken by guys higher up on the food chain than him. He needs to start using the Dominator again. He really needs to take off that headband, too. I understand <laughs> that he sweats a lot and stuff, but it looks stupid. Um, and, and also, to be honest, he came in at a weird time. Yes. He cannot challenge for the title. Right. No one can. So what do you do? Exactly. And, and 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 this is why I say the title matters. Bobby Lashley has to be a title contender. If he's not, what's he doing? Yeah. So floundering. Like everybody else. Right, exactly. Especially on Raw, but hopefully that changes now with the superstar shakeup, but we'll see. Uh out next came the great Kali. And it was painful. You talk about pain, Go ahead. painful to watch Braun and Bobby have to sell the chop. Yeah, that looked really bad. And you talk about a guy who I never wanted to see again in life. You're talking about Kali. That being said, though, he did get a pop. He did. Because uh, apparently Saudi Arabia only has 2010 WWE. Uh, <laughs> out next is KO. This was a little bit of a story because following him came Shane McMahon. And he got teamed up on by uh, Shane and Daniel Bryan. And I like KO. I'm glad they still kind of do stuff with him. I'm a massive Kevin Owens fan, and it bums me out that he's not in a bigger spot. I know. That's true of so many guys. Yeah, the roster is as crowded as it has ever been. They have too much talent. Out next game, Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Big Cass. And finally, uh, another big pop, uh, Dad Bod Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, the last entrant in the match, which is appropriate. Uh, It's always good to see Chris come back. 
Um, I didn't really think he got much to do in this match. No. I think it was just an appearance, just a payday. Uh, interesting about Jericho, I don't know if you heard this, uh, he, he's, it doesn't appear he's got anything going on with New Japan. Right. In the coming future. It was very strange. Because, uh, it was very strange because it seemed like they were building up to a match with him and uh, 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 Naido, and nothing came of it. They were. So the story he told on his podcast was that they were going to do the match, but they couldn't get it together financially. And uh, what he said was that he's in a position where WWE could turn on a dime and say, hey, if you're going to keep working for New Japan, we don't want you. And then that would that would be a huge pain financially because he he I'm sure that those WWE one-offs or six-month um uh contracts help a lot. Yes. And he won't get those if he keeps working for New Japan. And he said that they weren't making it worth his while. So they they either lowballed him or he felt he deserved more. He said that he that millions of people bought that show or bought the network for Jericho and Omega. I I think and that's true. He's right. I did. There you go. Uh, at this point, Elias is finally eliminated by Bobby Lashley. Great Khali is thrown out by both Strowman and Lashley. Shelton Benjamin is eliminated by Jericho. Uh, Shane McMahon is thrown out by Strowman. Lashley thrown out by Strowman. Jericho thrown out by Strowman. Kevin Owens thrown out by Strowman. Daniel Bryan is eliminated by Big Cass, which is like the only real angle they set up because they'll, they'll have a, a singles match next week, which I was totally fine with. Uh, I don't really like the idea of Big Cass and Daniel Bryan wrestling, but like at least they had an angle set up. And uh, finally, Big Cass is eliminated by Strowman. That's his 13th elimination, also setting a record for the most eliminations, uh, beating out Roman Reigns, which I think was kind of eyebrow-raising. And uh, Braun Strowman is coronated as the royal, the greatest Royal Rumble winner. Yeah, I think it, I think the right person won 1,000%. Uh, uh, you can make an argument for Brian, like I said earlier, but... Uh, even then, I'd rather see Brian win a regular Royal Rumble. Yes, this this was a different kind of showcase for a different kind of crowd. I think Braun winning is the right call. Um, I'm interested to see if this matters because we talked about this being a glorified house show. Will the fact that he won the greatest Royal Rumble play into future storylines? Does this get him a title shot? <sighs> Hopefully, uh, at this point, who else deserves a title shot? I mean, Rollins and Balor are tied up in the IC feud, and um, the only other person that could really contend for the title is Braun at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think it needs to be Braun. The only my only concern there is just uh, I don't know uh, who 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 can beat him. You know, <laughs> who could beat Braun? Yeah, <laughs> the big dog. Right. Well, and... you eventually you could set Cass up in a spot. Uh, not Cass. Oh God, uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, he feels like a legit guy. I, obviously, this tag thing he's doing right now feels like a holding pattern for him to establish him on the main roster again, which is totally fine. His promo on Monday was phenomenal. Um, so I'm interested into seeing where they take him. That's a guy who you could set up with Braun Strowman feud down the road. Yeah, it was very strange that he wasn't in the match, the uh, the greatest Royal Rumble. Not sure if there's a story there, but uh, I didn't understand why Drew wasn't a part of it. Yeah, th there was a lot of blowback here, obviously, because Saudi Arabia is very aggressive with its treatment toward women. 
Uh, Sami Zayn didn't show up uh, because of the political nature of uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia, which was another thing they yeah. did in this match. Got a lot of controversy is the political heat between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, so yeah, that's that's another matter. And uh, after the after the the talent came home, Corey Graves took to social media and basically uh, lambasted the whole Saudi event, uh, saying that's good to be home where women can do things and uh, so. A very, I mean, controversial outside and controversial internally as well. Yep. Uh, just a payday at the end of the day for WWE. Not any attempt at all, to be quite honest, to put on a really good show. Uh, the wrestlers themselves were not invested. And that goes to show you, this was a money grab for WWE, the organization, and a payday for the guys, but not a payday that they were excited to have. I'm sure that flight wasn't wasn't great for them, and I'm sure that they didn't want to not have the women there, because they're an integral part of the business, and uh, their heart was not in this event. And so, I don't care about it, because they didn't care about it. Exactly. What would you rate the actual Rumble? Uh, this is one of the worst rumbles I've seen. It got good towards the end. I would say around the last 10 entrants is when I started to care. There were a few spots, but uh, overall, on a on a scale of 5, uh, I would give this a 3. Uh, Maybe even a 2-5. Huh. On the one hand, it was not a good rumble. But on the other hand, Titus O'Neil. <laughs> meme versus quality of match hmm. so you have a five star moment and like probably a two star rumble so i think that average is two or three <laughs> <laughs> no it's like a two it's like a two and a quarter maybe uh what would you add a, a, that's like the traditional metric for uh evaluating matches but on a on a on a letter grade scale or a 10 scale however you want to do it, how would you rate this pay-per-view C minus. Uh, probably a D plus. You know what? I like that. I'm gonna go with a D. Yeah. Um. So that concludes our greatest Royal Rumble discussion here. Uh, you could always find us over uh, on all social media platforms at the Comics Pals. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, click the little bell on there. Uh. We've done several other uh, WWE pay-per-view reviews where we've talked about uh, NXT uh, war games along with Survivor Series, uh, the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia along with NXT Philadelphia, and uh, at some point we are going to do WrestleMania 34 along with NXT TakeOver New Orleans. So if you like the show, uh, give, the, give the other episodes a listen. And uh, until next time, tell your friends about us. Take care, and I'll uh, see you next time. Adios. Adios.